to Integrative Conversations, hosted by the Academy of Integrative Mental Health. The Academy is committed to offering high-quality, evidence-based education, training, workshops, and consultation for mental health professionals. I'm your host, Juniper Owens, and I hope you enjoy this conversation. Welcome. Jennifer Owens here, Director and Lead Faculty at the Academy of Integrative Mental Health. I recently sat down with Stephanie Batts and discussed an innovative mind-body therapeutic modality called brain spotting. During this conversation, we learn more about brain spotting, how Stephanie has experienced profound healing in her own life, and we even learn a brain spotting technique that you can practice or teach your clients. But before we get to the conversation, I want to share with you a unique offering just for our listeners and colleagues. The Academy is launching our featured course called Three Core Integrative. If you're a mental health professional interested in becoming more competent in integrative modalities and treatment, we invite you to learn more about this unique certification. After successfully building an integrative mental health group practice with three locations, My business partner and colleague, Nicole Sartini-Seprec, and I decided to help other mental health professionals get started as an integrative practitioner. We have spent years of fine-tuning our model, trial and error, laborious research, trainings and conferences, as well as analyzing positive longitudinal client results, so you don't have to. As an adjunct faculty, I designed the course similar to other online courses I've designed at the graduate level of study. The course is evidence-based and offers a multimedia-based learning experience to enhance the quality of education you will receive. Here at the Academy, we also believe that personal development is just as important as professional development. At the end of each module, we offer guided practices for your own self-care and that you can also use with clients. The course comes complete with assessment and evaluation tools, handouts for your clients, and recommendations based on current evidence and top practitioners in the field. If you're interested in learning more, please check out our website at www.academyimh.com. To celebrate the launch of this course, we are offering our listeners $100 off the course for the next three months. Please use the code integrative conversations to receive your discount. Okay, back to brain spotting. Brain spotting is a powerful focused treatment method that works by identifying, processing, and releasing core neurophysiological sources of emotional body, pain, trauma, disassociation, and a variety of other challenging symptoms. Brain spotting Brain spotting functions as a neurobiological tool to support the clinical healing relationship. There's no replacement for a mature, nurturing, therapeutic presence and the ability to engage another suffering human in a safe, trusting relationship where they feel heard, accepted, and understood. Let's learn more about brain spotting from Stephanie Batts now. I hope you enjoy this conversation. I'm joined here today by, with Stephanie Batts, who is a licensed professional clinical counselor, a certified brain spotting practitioner, and also certified integrative mental health professional. 
She received an MA in professional counseling from McKendree University in Illinois and received a postgraduate certificate in couples therapy. She's worked with a diverse population of individuals, couples, and families. Much of her experience has been working to help clients struggling with depression, anxiety, trauma, sexuality issues, and poor self-esteem. Stephanie is passionate about working with couples and families to enhance relationships through improving communication, connection, parenting skills, and conflict management. Stephanie currently practices at Bridge Counseling and Wellness, an integrative mental health center in Louisville, Kentucky, where she provides counseling for individuals and couples. She also works with people through brain spotting, addressing issues of performance, creative blocks, and motivation remotely all over the world. Today, we are going to have a conversation all about brain spotting. What is brain spotting, how it works, and helps for a variety of issues. Stephanie, I'm so happy and pleased and excited and honored that you're having a conversation with us today, and I cannot wait to learn more about brain spotting. I've been interested in this for a long time. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So I... I have been hearing about brain spotting and also I've been lucky enough to have a session with you actually. And yeah. I really would like to start with learning more about brain spotting. Essentially what the heck is it? <laughs> That's a good question. I thought the same thing when I first heard about it. Um, brain spotting is a technique used, um, it's used in therapy. It also has other applications outside of therapy. Um, in things like performance, in uh, things like clearing blocks, motivation, those sorts of things. Um, but it's a, it was developed originally by David Grand in 2003. Um, mm -hmm. He's a psychotherapist who's working in EMDR. Um, and the actual story that, that he tells in the trainings is that he was working with um, an athlete. She was an ice skater. And he was doing EMDR, you know, and so she was doing the eye movement. And he noticed what he called a wobble. Um, and so when he noticed that he asked her, you know, sort of what was happening for her, she didn't really know. So he said, well, let's just stay on that spot. Intuitively, he just decided to stay on the spot. And then, and then she started processing. He said, things started coming out that she had never mentioned before that she didn't even realize she needed to process. There was a lot of, a lot of things happening. And then the most interesting part of it is a few days later, she contacted him and told him that there had been a, a jump that she had been blocked. She could not do this jump that she had been doing for years and all of a sudden couldn't do some sort of triple jump. Mm. And after the session, she contacted him and said, I could do the jump after that. You know, so then he, then of course he was like, Oh, I need to figure this out. So then the, the research started, he started teaching other, other uh, clinicians and, and it's been researched since 2003 as far as sort of how and why it works in that sort of way. Wow. That almost sounds similar to Francine Shapiro. That's the, um, I guess, creator of EMDR, I think, if I'm getting that right, where she discovered something while she was walking in the park and moving her eyes different directions. So it almost sounds similar to that, where through just doing the work, he's noticed. Right, right. In, in practice and, and following his intuition, you know, saying, okay, we need to see what's happening here. So, yeah. Yeah. And so with that research and with the, under, so we knew he found that it was helpful and obviously it's been helpful for a lot of people since then. So what are some of the things that make brain spotting unique as a somatic therapy um, that makes it help that you think helps 
with some of the, um, I guess, results or the positive benefits from the treatment. Okay. Um, I think there's a few things. It's, it's very different therapy. It's different as a clinician. It's a different as a client um, in that it, it, it's not a lot of talk therapy. It is more somatic, more directed into what we're feeling in our bodies, that sort of thing. Um, in a session, for example, we start with um, listening to biolateral music, put mm -hmm. on headphones. It's just above audible. Uh, then the client, it's very client-driven. The client tells you sort of what issue they want to work on. So that day it might be some sort of specific anxiety they have, for example. And then they're directed to, we'll do some deep breathing, directed to go into their body and tell me where they're feeling that, where they feel the anxiety. You know, and, and it's interesting, people feel it in all sorts of different places. Sometimes it's, you know, more of a obvious kind of heaviness in the chest, or sometimes it's, a, oh, I've got a pain in my knee. It's, you know, it's very interesting sort of how people follow what's going on in their body. So then I will use a pointer and as through the, as I'm watching them, I'll go across sort of the, the screen right now, since we're online, go across the screen and there'll be indications. So when David Grand mentioned the wobble, sometimes there's um, an eye movement indication. Sometimes there's a body movement indication, like a hard swallow or a, you know, a move back, or there's just sort of different things that'll happen as you're going across. Um, and if there's that sort of indication, then I'll stop on that spot and I'll say, did you feel something there? And, and, we always also scale, like I'll say, you know, if, if you're feeling this anxiety in your chest from, you know, zero to 10, 10, you want to run out of the room, zero, you feel great. Where are you right now? And then, you know, on the spot, we'll also rescale and see where they are. If it's, if it's increased or, or decreased, sometimes it decreases. There's, there's both, there's um, an activation spot and there's a resource spot. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's actually my favorite part of brain spotting is that it is a very resourced therapy. And so as a client, it feels very empowering because mm -hmm. there's some hard things I can look at and know that I have the resources to handle it in different ways than I have in the past. So that's actually my favorite part about it. Mm -hmm. So then we, once we find the spot, we process. Um, and by process, what I mean is, is the client follows what's happening in their body. They follow mm -hmm. the somatic symptoms um, and just allow it to move and to go. And they can share with me what they're experiencing or they can keep it to themselves. It, that part is not the important part of the processing. It's, it's taking the time and the space to allow it to process. Mm. And you mentioned the bilateral music that's playing. Can you share a little bit more about why that is part of brain spotting and the process? Yes. In, um, in EMDR, it's bilateral. In brain spotting, it's biolateral, which it's very similar music. The idea is that it goes from ear to ear, that it's connecting both sides of the brain. And so, again, like I said, it's just above audible because we want to be able to hear each other, mm. but it just creates this environment that sort of is activating both sides of the brain. So it's a little different processing than we normally do in talk therapy. Because in talk therapy, we're all you know, prefrontal cortex, we're all, you know, we're talking, we're thoughts, we're all that. This therapy is um, considered a um, very focused mindfulness and it goes more midbrain, deeper sort of processing in your brain and your body. And with that kind of deeper processing that's accessing both parts of the brain and maybe a little less prefrontal cortex, like you mentioned with the talking, what do you think that helps in the body or with the processing or even in your case, the case, the original case of like um, 
removing blocks or uncovering. Right. It seems to me, what, what I've noticed in my experience is that, you know how often client will say, I know better. I've, you know, cognitively, I, I know this stuff. I've already read it. I know it. I've heard it. You know, I understand it. I'm on board. But yeah. then they still do the same behaviors and they still do the same reactions and they can't figure out why they do. To me, that's what this deeper processing seems to address. It, it mm-hmm. goes into um, these blocks that we have. And sometimes the blocks are, you know, we're mostly pretty brain body disconnected. You know, we're not really taught sort of how to pay attention to what's happening in our bodies related to what's happening in our brain. We think of them as two separate things and they're not. And so to me, this process really taps into that. And so sometimes those blocks are more about what we're feeling, what our body's feeling and less about what we know, you know, Mm -hmm. we're having a reaction to something that is, is tapping into all the other times we felt that way. And not necessarily all the other times we thought that way, but all the other times we felt that way. And so then it makes the, it makes the blocks bigger, the reactions different than, than what we want them to be in a moment because we know better, but we're still reacting this way. So that's what it seems to do to me. Wow. That's actually profound because yeah. you said that it's reacting the same way that it's reacted to similar kind of uh, maybe triggers. I can't remember the word you said, but um, and I absolutely can not only relate personally, but also with my clients that it's like, why do I keep doing this over and over again? Right. I've learned all these things. And so you're saying that it's because we're connect, maybe knowing it and learning it isn't connecting with the body's reactions. Right. Right. And saying that, yeah. And through the session, I'm curious if like, while we're talking about what a session looks like, I know that when I had mine that you, that we did together, it was pretty uncomfortable and I didn't even know why I wasn't thinking any thoughts that were uncomfortable, but my body felt uncomfortable. And I'm curious like about that response to happening in session. And then what do you do with that as a clinician? Right. And that's, you know, it is interesting and, and people respond in very different ways. Um, and, you know, I think because we're not taught that that is a, a valuable thing to do to pay attention to what's going on in our bodies. Um, it does feel uncomfortable sometimes. And, and I think because it's tapping into that sort of deeper thing. So what'll, what'll happen often is a client will say, you know, Oh, I don't, you know, and I usually just encourage them to stay with it. Honestly, it's really about, you know, they, they need to stay in, in brain spotting. We call it a window of, of tolerance. Basically mm-hmm. you want them to stay inside their window of tolerance, you know, but also because of the resource spot, like I said, and that's done through, visualization that's done through finding a spot in your body that feels like resource that feels calm or feels neutral. Um, that sort of piece of it allows you to stay inside your window of tolerance. So for example, if you get super uncomfortable and we've done a visualization earlier of your favorite Zen spot, you know, I can say, if you're too uncomfortable, close your eyes and go to the Zen spot. And then you can do that. And that's the part that feels really empowering because then you can also come back to the brain spot and do it again after that. Because, because you know, you have this technique. Now you have this way of, of calming yourself. Mm, And that's what you mentioned earlier with that. Your favorite part of the therapy is the resourcing and how empowering it is to know that you can experience this discomfort that maybe we've been avoiding or distracting ourselves from. And in this process, it's a safe way to explore it. And you said that 
it doesn't, the client doesn't really even need to share what's happening. Can you tell more about that? With brain yeah, that's a really fascinating piece of it because it, it isn't about the sort of exchange of dialogue that normal talk therapy is. It really is about them making their own sort of connections. I hear that a lot where someone will just, they may not want to share sort of what the, the thing that's coming up for them, but then all of a sudden they'll make some connection to this body feeling and something that happened when they were six or something that happened when they were 12 or several things. That's sort of what happened for me and my, my own experience of it. I knew I had done a lot of cognitive work. I was one of those people that was like, I know better. Um, I had done a lot of mindfulness work, um, but I could tell I just had this, this disconnect, this brain body disconnect. There was something more that I needed. So when I was searching out my own therapy, I was looking for some somatic therapies to do. And my therapist in the first session, when I said I wanted to do, she's like, you want to try brain spotting? And I'm like, sure. I had no idea what it was, but I was like, I'm up. Let's do it. I'm open for it. Let's do it. And um, I was pretty much hooked that very first time because it was so, so profoundly different than anything else I had experienced. And what happened to me was I had connected. There was a trauma that I, you know, was cognitive of processed a gazillion times but there was a couple of other little pieces that I had not connected to that. Like I had not recognized how that trauma was affecting these other sort of spaces in my life. And it was this clarity that sort of came. And then from then more and more processing after that, that was felt like to me a deeper level. It felt like I had cognitively thought about all these things, but there was this deeper sort of body feeling connection that I hadn't processed. And, and may I ask what it felt like? that you knew was different? Like, how did you know it was deeper in your own experience? Um, she was directing me to sort of feel it in my body. And the interesting thing, I like, for me, my experience was it felt really like legs were really heavy. It felt sort of like a sinking kind of feeling. Um, and I think just connecting to that, to what my body was feeling as I was recalling, you know what I mean? And, and that's the interesting thing is you don't continue to recall the trauma as you're processing, you recall it at the beginning, then you go into your body. So, so me sort of really feeling what was happening in my body at the time, it felt like a lot of release. Like I could literally felt some sort of electrical charges and things like that were happening. Um, and the reason it felt so different, I think was that it, it felt emotional. It felt, mm-hmm. um, almost sort of primal in this very kind of deep way. And then what happened after your sessions in your everyday life? You know, the, the interesting thing is, is that what I noticed is, because like you said a minute ago, you said sometimes we have these things that we're, we're trying to avoid, that we know we're there and they'll come up and we're like, no, no, can't, can't go there. And we push it back down. What I noticed was, is with this particular trauma for me, it, it would come up and I just didn't have the intense reaction that I had had to it before. Um, I didn't have that sort of need to avoid it. It was more, it wasn't like it had gone away. It was still there. The memories were still there, but it, I was reacting differently to it. And so for me as a clinician, because you know, I mean, as clinicians, we have people that come in with, you know, horrific stories often. And when it connects to something that's happened to you, it's a really hard thing to not be triggered by this story that you're hearing. So what, what I noticed afterwards is that I didn't, in session, I didn't react. I didn't have that sort of internal reaction 
that trigger that I was having before that, before my brain spotting sessions. It, it's like it makes a little distance between you and the trauma or a little disconnect, you know, in a way that doesn't create that sort of body reaction. That sounds awesome. I think that a lot of people are working toward that when they are reprocessing traumas right. or processing it. Or also, like you said, maybe they thought that maybe you're like, oh, I've worked with that or I don't need to talk about that childhood stuff. But then yet you're, you're still maybe doing things you don't understand why or your body's reacting to things that you might not realize are connected. So I'm right. hearing that, and this sounds similar because I am also certified in EMDR which for our listeners, EMDR is eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. Sometimes I get that word wrong. Um, and so the idea is that you're desensitizing the right. trauma reaction. So very similar, but from um, the language that they use is a neural network. So you have the original kind of either traumatic event on the belief about yourself and then all the things that are connected to that. Right. And so it all, it sounds similar in that the, the reactions could be pr maybe connected to the trauma, but that we aren't thinking about it logically. Right. It's, it's, I think through the focused mindfulness, it creates an amazing awareness. That's sort of the piece that, that feels really empowering the awareness. And then also with the building of the resources, the idea that, that, that I can sit in this for a minute, you know, just building that evidence that you can sit in that uncomfortableness for a second, you know, and be okay with it really sort of is a snowball effect as far as how we can process things. Hmm. Yeah. I'm curious now what you notice with your clients doing this modality with them. Um, what I notice, and I've had some interesting feedback. Some people will process after the session, like for, hours after the session, they'll still feel the body movements or things that are happening. They'll still feel it. Um, and so usually I let them know that might happen and to encourage them uh, sometimes after like early in the session, sometimes people will say, Oh my gosh, I'm so tired afterwards. I needed to take a nap or I, you know, that sort of thing, because it's, it feels like work, you know, in your body, but in a good way, you know, that, that sort of work that feels like you've done something. Um, what I've also, I've heard a lot of feedback about um, that same sort of thing. Like say you have a reaction to a partner where you're, you'll feel jealous or insecure, but you know that there's no actual reason to feel that, you know, and, and I'll hear people say, you know, I, I reacted to this thing happened that always happens. And I usually react this way. And I reacted a little differently, or I had another client that um, there was a particular trigger as she was driving to work. And she said, I drove past that trigger and did not have the same reaction. And so that's a really powerful thing to feel because a lot of times we feel like we don't have any control over that. Mm. So it sounds like that it does a variety, like it, it's different for each person. And it also can wor works with a lot of different issues. So we've kind of been talking about you know, therapeutic context and specifically trauma, which is really important. What else are you noticing with brain spotting as far as how you how it can be worked with in the mind and body? The probably the piece that's most different um, is the piece where you can address these sort of small blocks and things that are happening in your life. Mm -hmm. um, and the really fascinating piece for me as a therapist was 
they were like, oh, you can use it on your sister if she, you know, and I'm like, what, you know, typically as therapists, we can't do that sort of thing. But my most recent example was my sister, for example, she, um, with COVID is having a really hard time wearing her face mask. Um, having panic attacks every time she would go to the grocery store, having, she's always said she has a little claustrophobia, but this was, you know, feeling really uncomfortable to her. And so I talked her into doing an online session and we did an online session and um, she was so cute. She called me like the next day. She's like, Oh my gosh, I went to Walmart and I did not have a panic attack. So it was, um, it's just processing it in a different way. And what I love is that there were tools I could give her, to use in Walmart also, you know, it wasn't just that we did the processing there and she saw it in a little different, but that's what happened for her was she made a connection to all the other times she had felt like she couldn't breathe. And so she was recognizing that this clearly isn't about having, she could breathe with the face mask in Walmart. It wasn't about that. It was about um, all of these other times of feeling that she couldn't breathe and how that felt so out of control to her and that she realized that this feeling was tapping into all of those old experiences. Um, So just having that knowledge helped in the moment, but also we talked about, you know, in brain spotting, we can find resource spots in our daily life. So if there's a moment where you're feeling high anxiety, you can scan your field of vision, like look to the left, look to the right, look to the center, look up, look down, and you'll, if you're cluing into how you feel in your body, you will notice a, an eye position that feels a little calmer, that you can breathe a little easier. And if you stay in process on that eye position, then often the calming continues and, and increases. Wow. And I love that example that you gave because it wasn't someone seeking out like, um, you know, years of therapy. It was kind of like, wow, I'm noticing this coming up. I can't breathe. The mask has been hard. And then through that session, um, she was able to maybe um, tolerate it a little more and then come away with a resource that if it did come up a little bit or even just preventative that the, your sister could use for grounding. And right. you were able to provide that because like you said, most therapists, we can't work with family members because of the dynamics. So right. it really sounds like as a clinician, you're, you're in a, a much different position because you didn't even need to know anything. No, I didn't need any information about what she was doing, but I could still help her process it and go through it. And so, yeah, it's really useful in those sort of practical ways, you know, in in fears that we have in, you know, for example, we've got some performance coming up or a test. It's, uh, you know, there's these anxieties that we hold that, that this processing them through eye position just makes a difference when the thing comes up again, when we have to do the performance, when we have to take the test, it, it changes it. And then the resource spotting is used for performance enhancement. Like it can, you can clear blocks, but then it, there's actually this other level of it where we can use the resource spotting to it's, it's part visualization, part memory, um, um, part visualization, part mindfulness, Part awareness. It's an interesting sort of balance of how it works. It's it's mm-hmm. fascinating to watch. Yeah. I want to get more into that aspect of it. I find that really interesting. But before we do, I know that there's some people really are either skeptical or they need information like, well, how exactly does it work and what's happening? And I'm sure you have clients that are wanting a lot of that information. So what would you share to someone like, well, can you tell me 
why having a spot helps with this or what's the mechanism in brain spotting that would be different than maybe other modalities? I think the, the biggest thing is, you know, the, the creation of the dual attunement is sort of is the terminology that we use in brain spotting. So the idea is, is that as clinician, I am completely there, complete, they call it following the tail of the comet. I am completely there, completely engaged, completely following where the client is going. Um, but with not a lot of interruption or interaction, you know, as a, and, and as a, and as a clinician, that's been very different for me. Um, as far as me having to sit with it and allowing it to go, you know, because, because sometimes people will have reactions and, and I want to know what's happening or I want, you know, but that's the, um, one of the, one of the phrases they use is, is wait, why am I talking? So that's like something to say to yourself, like, why am I talking right now? Is this about me or is this about them? So, um, it's that part I think is, is incredibly different from what we're taught, you know, as we're in grad school. Um, and it's really powerful because just, you know, there's some, you know, the attunement, there's some chemical things, you know, there's some energy exchange there when you're completely attuned with someone. And so the attunement is part of it. The, the allowing them, the trusting the brain and their body that it can do what it needs, that it can process this thing. That's huge. Um, and I think the acknowledgement that our brains can't figure out every problem, you know, we will sit and ruminate and ruminate and ruminate doesn't, doesn't help us figure it out a lot of times. So most of the time. So I think all of that sort of basic philosophy of what's happening makes it very different. Um, and then just the practice of it, it's, it's a, um, it's a very different experience. Um, in, in a good way, you know, it's, it's like I said, you, you had mentioned that you felt a little uncomfortable at first. And I think that's just because it's so different, you mm -hmm. know, because we're expecting something. And so I think you have to really open your mind to allowing the processing to happen. And that just creates a really different space. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, and so how important is the brain spot eye position in this process? Um, it's the interesting thing is, is that in any given session, you could probably find several eye spots that, that would do something, you know, like, again, like I said, some eye positions will increase activation. Some eye positions will lower activation. Hmm. So, you know, there's, there's always options for choosing. We have also all these other techniques where, for example, if somebody gets activated really intensely, you can go to a one eye. We have these goggles that have like one eye uh, covered. Um, there's, you can, you can close your eyes. It's not about what you're looking at. It's about the eye position. So, you know, there's all sorts of different techniques that we can use. If someone gets too activated, there's, um, you know, the, the idea of the eye spot is we stay on it until, you know, I talked about the scaling until the scaling comes down to like a zero or one. Um, and then we can try a different eye spot or we'll, what they call squeezing the lemon, we'll do the, we'll bring the topic back up. Like, remember this anxiety again, you know, recall it again, see what's happening in your body. If it goes elevated again, then we stay on the, the spot. Sometimes, sometimes a client will literally, especially the ones they've been doing it a while, will be on a spot and they'll be like, my eyes keeps wanting to go up, you know, it keeps wanting, and I'll say, okay, let it go up, you know, because sometimes our bodies are saying, oh, there's a different thing I need to address. And mm -hmm. so, 
that's that's the point of sort of following the comment is that we empower the client to really feel what's happening. Yes. I'm hearing two things there. One is that this process allows the body, it, it implies that the body has wisdom and that the body um, equally to the brain, but even this process maybe more so knows what to do. Right. And if we feel safe in the window of tolerance and allow it with the direct, you, you said dual attunement. So um, in a safe space where we know that this person is like with us, maybe right. even experiencing it with us, who knows? And then um, the body can do what it needs to do. Right. And Absolutely. empowering it implies there's a wisdom, which I think is powerful mm -hmm. because of the separation you mentioned before. And then I'm also like, as you were speaking about the particular eye positioning, it made me think of where, you know how when we're talking, I'm doing it right now, my eyes move around. Mm -hmm. And um, like, I'm kind of like, oh, when I'm thinking or just coming up with something, is there a connection to that? There is. My, my own therapist will notice that I, when I start to talk about certain topics, my eyes will shoot over to the left mm -hmm. and she'll be like, you're on that spot. What just came up? And so we'll do a gaze spot, which basically means that the therapist recognizes that I keep moving to a space and they'll direct me to stay there instead of moving back and forth because of the moving back and forth is sometimes about avoiding staying on that space, you know, like we'll start to connect to something and then, it, you know, then we're like, Oh no, you know? So, but so when they direct you to stay there, then it becomes more focused and more mindful. Wow. And you said the mind, and then there's the last part. I kind of want to go on the, the process of it and what it's like um, the focused mindfulness this definitely mm -hmm. sounds different from other approaches that I've seen and learned about and experienced with that are somatic. Mm -hmm. And do you mind sharing just a last piece on what that focused mindfulness looks like in the session and how it works? Okay. The, yeah. And so once we find the, the brain spot, then the person just stays focused on that spot. And then they, I direct them to follow what's happening in their body. So I'll say, tell me where you're feeling that, you know, how you're experiencing that. And, and they'll tell me and, and then I'll say, just keep following. So and sometimes they'll indicate that it's moved, you know, it may start in their back and then they'll say, oh, you know, now my arm is tingling or, you know, whatever. So they'll they'll follow it as they're going. Um, sometimes thoughts will come in, sometimes uh, other memories, you know, there's all sorts of you can't really predict what's going to happen but the point of it is just to allow it to happen. And often, you know, clients will be like, this thing's happening. Why is this happening? You know? And it's like, we don't really need to know why it's happening. You just need to follow it. You just need to allow it to happen. And so, um, and I'll check in, um, you know, during the experience and say, can you tell me what activation level you're at? You know, can, you know, that sort of thing, um, just to gauge sort of where they're going. Um, and it, it sometimes will go up and sometimes it'll go down. It's, there's no sort of right way to do it. If it goes all the way down to zero and they're like, oh, I'm not, I'm, you know, and then we bring the issue back up and they're not activated at all. Um, then we'll maybe next session, we'll bring it up again, see if they activate. Sometimes they'll activate, but really low. You know, it's, it's a really interesting process. Um, and then sometimes they'll come in and be like, oh, I don't activate it at all you know and then of course they're super excited about that wow so part of the focus mindfulness is there's a little bit of a check-in on mm -hmm. 
the clinician's part. And then also the idea though, is to be, stay with it. Do you use principles like non-judgment? Like you said, some people want to know why or what's happening and that you can kind of guide back to just the experience rather than using that prefrontal cortex part. Absolutely, which is usually what I what I'll say is I'll say we don't we don't need to figure it out, you know, just follow it, you know, and um and I think that I think our brains go to that, right? I mean that's that's part of the issue is that when we have a reaction, we'll have this body reaction and our brains go to figure it out. We want to know. We want to know the the reason. We want to know the narrative. And so the redirecting them back to just follow what's happening in your body is a really important piece of it because our brains do sort of get in that loop, you know, of, of trying to figure out what's going on. So, but if they can stay with following the body process and sometimes they can, and sometimes they can't, and, and it, you know, there's no right or wrong way to do it. If they can't, then we'll just redirect and try again, you know? So, or if they feel like they need to talk about what they're thinking, then we also talk about it. That's, that's sort of the beauty of it is that it is so client directed um, that I just as a clinician have to really be attuned and be open and be responsive to what they need in the moment. Mm-hmm. Which is where some of your work comes in. So what work do you do to stay attuned and um, present in these sessions, which you're kind of doing different work than our normal talk therapy sessions? Yeah. How do you hear? What do you do for that for yourself? I have to, I practice my own sort of um, breathing techniques during the session. I also have some mantras to sort of keep myself um, attuned, you know what I mean? And, and really, which sometimes sounds, but I, I will, I'll, I'll remind myself that I'm here with them, you know, like, uh, I'm here with you, just keep going, you know, and that's sort of how I keep myself present in it. It's, you know, it sounds, because there's not a lot of talking, I, I was kind of intimidated by it at first because I'm a talker. That's what, you know, that's what we do as therapists. We talk, we listen, we, you know, it's an exchange. And this is still an exchange, it's, but it's an energy exchange versus a communication. It's a communication in a different way. It's still communication, but it's versus verbal. It's more energy exchange. And, and acceptance. Yeah. And what? I'm sorry. And, and acceptance and non-judgment. That's a big piece of the attunement is, mm-hmm. is sitting in it with them in this way. And in this empathetic, non-judgmental, accepting way. And I love that you are doing your own practices of staying with it, with the client. I mean, talk about meeting them where they're at and, and being right in there. I think that's, uh, you said that that actually does stuff, like energetic stuff in the session. Um, right. I guess is it's a lot more powerful than we could guess on a, on a level of what it's really like when you're in it with them. Um, yes experiencing it, staying with it. And so I like that you support yourself as a clinician. And my guess is that that models or at least supports clients and people that are experiencing it. Yeah, I think it's really important because I mean, as clinicians, we do hold other people's experiences, you know, as much as, as much boundary work and as much as we can do, you know, we still are hearing these, you know, things that people have experienced and gone through. And sometimes it's really hard. So I think as clinicians, we do have to do our own work. And I think it's important that clients know we do our own work. I, I don't, you've probably had it where a client is worried about, I know through COVID, like a client has 
a couple actually have said, I'm worried about you. How are you to, you know, which is so sweet. But also I think it's important that they know that I do have to do my own work. I mean, we all sort of have things we have to work through. And so I think it's, it, it is modeling, you know, those behaviors. Mm-hmm. And on that subject, how would a mental health professional benefit from brain spotting um, themselves? Yeah, I think I think that that sort of secondary trauma we get from hearing people's, I think being able to process that, release that, recognizing what we do in session. I mean, we are human beings and in session, we're doing the same thing. We tense up when we start to hear certain things. We, you know, are reactive to certain things. So I think recognizing that and knowing that this does help release those things would be really important for a clinician to, to do. Plus whatever their own sort of traumas and their own sort of experiences they might need to work through. It could help with those things. But as a clinician, it could definitely help with that, you know, sort of experiencing that secondhand experiencing people's trauma. Mm-hmm. And the effects on the body. And is, is brain spotting um, a maintenance modality? So say there's not reactions to whatever the client might be coming in with, like, so for example, a particular problem or um, a block or whatever is it useful as a maintenance or is it more for specific issues? And then Um, I think it can be used as both. I see it more for specific issues. It, it may be, well, it may be maintenance in as if the issues start to come back, you know, like say, say you have a, a fear of flying and we work on it, you know, and, and, you go fly and it's great. And then say you haven't flown in two years and all of a sudden you're getting a little something back. It could be definitely maintenance in that way. Um, and we can teach self brain spotting. There's, there's several interesting things we had, a um, in one of my trainings, they had, a, a couple come in and the husband had had an experience on a plane that was horrific. And so he was having all these things and, and the clinician actually talked to him over the phone to help him find a brain spot to get him calmer, you know, so it's, it definitely can be used for specific things. And then I think if the things creep back up or if new things, you know, if you have some new, you know, um, you've got to get a presentation and you're terrified about, you know, you can come in for a brain spotting session and it'll help get you some clarity and some calming around a specific thing coming up or job interview. And as far as um, number of sessions, does it vary? Is there an average it does vary for, I've, I've seen for small things like the story I told about my sister. Um, and I had another person that had this specific anxiety around, um, going to the gym to work out those sessions just took one and sometimes two others, obviously if it's bigger trauma, will t- I mean, I have some clients that have been doing it for longer periods of time. Um, so it, it really kind of depends you know, it, it seems to be very varied. It does seem what I have had clients say to me before or recently is that it feels like it moves faster, deeper to them, especially if it's issues they've been dealing with for a long time. Um, they'll, they'll say that it just sort of cuts to the core, you know, and, and it, because it is, it's bypassing all of the stuff that our brain's trying to figure out that our, you know, frontal cortex is trying to create this narrative or even block us from getting to the deeper, you know what I mean? It, it just cuts right past it. And so I've had clients mention that's sort of the comment I get most often is it seems to cut to it quicker. Oh, yeah. I'm like getting really inspired as you're talking about this work and what it's, how, how empowering it is for our clients. And I'm curious, 
if someone isn't necessarily interested or can't get certified right now, are there any elements that you recommend um, bringing into session that are brain spotting elements that therapists that haven't been trained could bring in? It could just be something they're doing themselves or maybe even a technique. Like, is there any suggestions you have for that? Absolutely. I think, um, one of the things I've used a lot with clients, even clients that aren't, you know, using brain spotting, um, is something called virgins. The, um, it's to help with anxiety and panic. Um, I can show you how to do it if you want to. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So they, and you can do it anywhere, which is the beauty of it, but say for example, I'm, you know, sitting on an airplane or, you know, somewhere where I have high anxiety and um, I want to try to lower it. The idea is, is that you want to take a pen or your finger, something about six to 10 inches away from your face, right at your eye line. And you want to focus at the point of your finger. And then you want to focus through your finger at a point on the wall or a point in the distance, you know, maybe 10 feet away that it doesn't really matter. The idea is, is that we look at the point on our finger and then we look at the point far away. And so our eyes converge at the point on our finger and they diverge as we look away. So your eyes are literally converging and diverging back and forth and you trombone, you stay like three seconds on your finger, three seconds at the point in the distance. And then, and then you come back and you do this several times and as you do it, it, it helps lower anxiety. It's, it's clicking. It has, it's connected to the polyvagal and the different, you know, sort of things. The same thing that sort of happens when you do the deep breathing. It's the idea that it's, um, it's tapping into this thing that helps lower anxiety in the moment. And how long do you do it for? Cause I just did it times and it felt really good. <laughs> Yeah, it's really interesting. Some people will, as they start it, will get a little surge of anxiety and then it'll lower. Other people lower right away. Um, you can do it just, I mean, not for very long, just a few minutes is usually all that you need. If you, if you start to feel, you know, if, if it's not helping, you can slow it down, move it slower than three seconds. Um, and then that, that helps. It's, it's a really interesting thing. It's, you know, it's part mindfulness, right? It's part grounding because it's getting us in the moment and it's getting, but it's also, it's this idea of what happens. Our, you know, our eyes are connected to everything. You know, they, they have so many nerves that go back through. And so this idea of converging and diverging them then helps sort of kick in this, this calming effect. Does it attack, like, so when you said the polyvagal part, does it activate that parasympathetic nervous system um, through all the nerves and the breathing and the centering? Right. Yes, that's exactly what happens. And when you've taught some of your clients that, that aren't even necessarily getting brain spotting, what do you hear? What do you notice with them? Most of them have said it really helps. It's, um, it seems to be helpful. You know, in that state where you like know this panic attack is coming, that state that like the anxiety is raising, raising, and you know you're headed. Um, I've had a couple of clients use it in that state and not go into panic attack. So that's been a really useful tool for them. And the fact that you can pretty much do it anywhere is really helpful. Mm -hmm. And it occurs to me, would there be any contraindications to Virgin, virgins, is that the word that we use that technique, virgins? Would there be any indications for that or brain spotting in general if we were to want to refer our clients to receive this treatment? 
None that I know of. It's um, and that question gets asked a lot. You know, it, um, you know, the brain spotting community is growing. I mean, it is, and it's so much more popular overseas than it is in the U.S. They're always a little ahead of us, I think, and being open to those sorts of things. Um, and I'll often see people ask, you know, like, is there is there somebody that's not suited, or is there somebody that you know this would not be beneficial or useful and and for the most part I have not heard of any areas in which um it isn't useful in some way I think because it's so it's so built on mindfulness and awareness and um you know those things that honestly help most of us you know I think that um that it tends to be pretty versatile what about like a physical disability or like I have a lot of clients that worry about doing things with their eyes with chronic like migraines. Right. And I have migraine. heard we actually we actually had um, in one of my trainings, there was a, a woman, a clinician who's blind that was training. And I was fascinated because, again, it does not matter what you're looking at. It's the position. So. So, yeah. So it, it's. Um, that was a, a fascinating thing to watch her go through the process. It was really interesting. Um, and yeah, so as far as, as migraines, actually it, it is useful in pain conditions. It's, um, it's used a lot for people that have chronic pain conditions and different things. So yeah, it can be useful in all those. Wow. Okay. So basically it's good for everything. <laughs> <laughs> And it, there's no real contraindications. My sense is, is that there will be some clients that don't resonate or that have trouble. I've noticed with a lot of somatic therapies, at least that I work with, that there's just some clients that, um, it, I don't want to say it doesn't work for, but that aren't ready to go there or that don't find it helpful in that moment, but it's more where they're at. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. And I think, too, they they talk about like with um, sports performance in particular, they will talk about sometimes, you know, whatever sort of the issue is, sometimes we'll get a little worse before it gets better. You know, I mean, because it's the, you know in therapy, it's it's delving into some stuff, and sometimes it's more uncomfortable before it gets better. So, um, so they did they have mentioned that a lot of times if you have somebody in the middle of a season, you might want to wait until toward the end of the season or you know that sort of thing because or wait till the off season so that, um, so that it, they don't feel like it's making it worse because it, it isn't actually making it worse. It's just that they haven't addressed it. And so it's feeling worse and then it gets to the point where it gets released and then it's better. Hmm. That makes sense, especially with uh, being a former athlete and like in the performance, there is a lot that kind of goes, sometimes it's just straight superstition and like, right. <laughs> middle of the season I can definitely see that but at the same time like if there's a block in the middle of the season I could see it being yeah. super, helpful. super helpful it is absolutely yeah so yeah if somebody wanted to work with you um I, I think we have a pretty good sense of maybe a live session but if someone wanted to work with you or do brain spotting remotely I'm curious of two things one how does that energy how does that energy exchange and attunement look and um on a virtual session. And I know that you said it can be phone call or video. Cause I've heard you mention both right. in the community and then to, yeah. And then like, just what would that be like? Um, it is, 
it, I worried about it myself when, you know, when this happened and we all had to, you know, work from home, I definitely worried about whether that exchange of energy would still happen. Um, and surprisingly it does, I think again, because, um, because again, I'm fully attuned, you know what I mean? Like I'm still right there. So it may not be the physical energy, but, but my mental energy, my emotional energy, my focus is still very, you know, attuned to the client. Um, so, and, and it's, I've had some interesting results, you know, because also you're thinking, well, the screen, how do you put the pointer in the screen? And do my eyes really get where they need to go? And, um, and in some cases it works perfectly in the screen. In other cases, my client will say, my eye really wants to go over here and I'll be like, okay, well, let your eye go over there. You know? So it's, it's, um, it, it has been surprisingly effective online. And will there be, is there an assessment before you do a brain spotting session or could you have one session where you see the person and then they do brain spotting, they get to experience it all in one. How does that work? Um, yeah, usually what I'll do is I, cause I've had people ask me that before they kind of want to jump right into it. Um, so it kind of depends on what the issue is. If it is just this, I'm getting claustrophobic when I'm wearing a mask, then we can, we can do it in that way. I would, I would still gather some information and we, you know, have some conversation um, about resources and, you know, that sort of thing, but we could do a shortened session in the, in the first one to give them sort of an idea of what it feels like to make sure they've got the music downloaded, um, all of that, you know, whatever, get whatever questions they have about the technique answered in the first session for sure. And then you can get kind of right into it the next session and then it kind of varies based on like either the issue or maybe how deep the issue might be um, or connected to other got it. And so, um, so that it can be done over the phone because you said it's very directed where the client on over a screen. Yeah, I probably wouldn't do it on the phone. The phone thing that I mentioned was mostly about, someone who couldn't, it didn't have access to video and they were, you know, sort of in the middle of something. Um, in general, I, I would prefer video or, or in person. That makes sense. Yeah. And as we're kind of, I feel like we've learned a lot about brain spotting and what it, it sounds like it can work for anything. So, mm-hmm. um, performance, maybe someone that want, that's having memory issues or chronic pain or anxiety or anger stuff, or I'm hearing even maybe communication issues or blocks with people, boundary setting. I mean, it sounds like the just go. Yeah. It's really interesting from, you know, from the initial sort of David Grand using the brain spotting uh, it, with trauma, it has grown and there's a, a brain spotting and addictions group and there's a brain spotting for performance group. But, you know, there's all these different sort of specific things that it's branched out and, and people have developed techniques to use them for all these, even for couples, there's brain spotting for couples. I saw one the other day for groups, which I'm going to have to look into because I didn't know that could be done. So that was pretty exciting. So yeah, there's, there's, um, all these people are excited about it. And so clinicians are developing ways of using it in their own therapy. Um, that's the thing about brain spotting. It is also open to that. You know, it's, it's very, um, you know, they're, they're open to you trying new things and to following again what the client is doing. So it does lead you down paths that, that you maybe not have intended to go, but it leads you that way. Wow. Well, as we're kind of, 
um, I guess, closing our conversation. And um, I'm going to ask if you don't mind to share, uh, and I can put it in the show notes, um, mm-hmm. but to maybe share some resources about brain spotting if anyone's interested. Um, so maybe like your a top website or a book or a video, something like that. I'm also going to share your contact information. Okay. Um, but yeah, I just want to just ask, is there anything that feels that, that you feel has been unsaid or just a final kind of comment or anything else that you want to enhance or come back on on this topic? I feel like we've covered it pretty extensively. I think so too. I think for me, sort of my final thoughts about it is that and my experience of it is that it's a it's a technique that feels very empowering. Um, it feels like deeper processing that we mentioned in this way that that is just to me it's sort of the next level. Like you know you you start with the cognitive stuff and you start you know and then you add in some mindfulness stuff and to me it feels like the next level going to the to, to the body to the somatic pieces to the focused mindfulness pieces. It feels like a deeper level of processing. So, and for my clients that have really had good experiences with it, they are people that have been trying to process some things for a while and done a lot of work. It's not that they haven't done the work, but there's a sense that there's something missing. There's sense that there's a block and that's where this seems to be really useful. Mm -hmm. And also if there is some type of, um, a non-therapeutic maybe issue or problem or area to work with um, that maybe you just haven't been able to read enough articles on or you've thought about and it continues definitely could be an interesting modality to start with. To oh, absolutely. absolutely. Like, well, um, yeah, I'm really, I'm so glad that we were able to have this conversation today and I, I feel like I learned so much more about brain spotting, but not only that more also about um, somatic work, uh, mindful somatic work. And um, it really seems like therapy in general is widening its perspective and that we're doing the integrative conversations is because the the old school talk therapy and medication management, while highly effective and always going to be a part of mental health, um, it, it just doesn't seem to be enough. Right. Or the full picture. Exactly. Yes, it's not the full picture. We have to address it from all the sides. Yeah, and definitely brain spotting is a true mind body modality. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. And I just want to make sure that there's, that you feel solid and that everything's said that needs to be said. I think so. Okay. Well, I'll definitely put your information for anyone that's interesting. Would you be open? Do you do any consultation uh, for? I've been um, offering, you know, like say a 15 minute phone consultation or a video chat to just sort of give people an understanding of what it is, what they need to do before the first session, as far as downloading music and having a space and it's better to do on a computer than a phone, those sorts of little details. So yeah, if somebody wants to chat about it. I'm open for that. And would you work, say a therapist is referring out for brain spotting um, while they're still doing talk therapy? Would, is that A, um, recommended and B, would you be able to collaborate with that clinician in your work? 
Yes. And a lot of people will use it that way. They love their, they love their therapist. They love the thing they're doing, but there's this, there's this thing, there's this deeper level, this thing that they need to get to that doesn't seem to be, you know, seems to be hanging on really tight. And so, yeah, sometimes it's uh, really helpful to have the dual communication, have them doing the brain spotting and then going back to process with their therapist afterwards, even. I can see that being pretty powerful Mm -hmm. and helpful and that, it's great that you can do both and it doesn't have to be like, I quit because with EMDR, a lot of times it's, Oh, you have to just be doing EMDR. And um, for some people, they want a mixture of talking. <laughs> right. Body stuff. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Great. Well, thank you so much for joining us. You're welcome. Thank, thank you for, thank you for doing the interview. It was awesome. I appreciate it. Yes. And just the work that you're doing with clients and yourself it, uh, my sense is that there's a ripple effect that we might not even ever be able to know or measure because a lot of us get into this work, um, might I say healing work, because they're, we're not only interested in people being able to um, heal and achieve their authentic sense of self and self-actualization and all that, but also because we know that that improves relationship, communication, in families and communities. And I think now more than ever, maybe sinking into the body wisdom could be really helpful for a lot of the global issues that we're facing. And I completely agree. Yeah. Yeah. The, the ripple effect, as you mentioned, is if, you know, if I do this work and then I react differently to the person in front of me and then that person reacts differently or I I react differently in a crowd or whatever the thing is, you know, it just, it does, It, it does ripple. It does change sort of how I see other people. It changes because it changes how I feel in the moment. Yeah. I was getting this like vision as we were talking about that of like a parent teaching their child or like, Oh, stay with it. Or, Oh, that's uncomfortable. Let's see what your body wants to do. Or maybe teaching them some eye movements and virgins. And then oh, absolutely, maybe teachers with their students. And then it just kind of goes out. I think that as this modality and other modalities like it, um, increase in, uh, I guess we'll say popularity and research. My, my, I could even just picture that. Oh, absolutely. Because like we said at the very beginning, we are not taught to do that. We, I was not taught to do that. You were not taught to do that. We are not taught to, to do, to pay attention to what's happening in our body, you know? And so it's, it is a very powerful thing and it changes, you know, how we see the world changes, how we see ourselves. Right. Revolutionary. Revolutionary. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you for joining us. I hope that you enjoyed this conversation. Again, to learn more, please go to our website at www.academyimh.com.